when our kids were young, my wife and I tried to impress on them the importance of apologizing. And not just apologizing, but actually apologizing with sincerity. My wife was fond of saying to them, when you've done something to someone and you're going to them and you're saying, I'm sorry, you need to say, I'm sorry, in the eyes. In the eyes. One day my wife was out going somewhere in the van and uh, my daughter Ada, three at the time, was there with her. And they were heading off to wherever they were going and Linda, quite tragically, struck and killed a squirrel. She looked in the rearview mirror, you know how you do, when you, did that really just happen? And there was the poor little creature twitching in the middle of the road. And she was moved to say, I am so sorry. To which my daughter piped up from the back seat, in the eyes, mommy, in the eyes. There is something about in-the-eyes relationships, isn't there? You know, I sometimes hear people say, all I need is God. On the one hand, who's going to disagree with that? Uh, not unless you like the taste of lightning, I guess. Um, but on the other hand, it, it seems like when people are saying that, what they're really saying is, I don't really need other people in my life. In Genesis 2, God speaks to Adam, and he says these familiar words. It is not good that man be alone. Now, understand this. Adam's not alone. Uh, he's got all the animals. He's got God there. He's got this crystal clear connection with God, unmuddied by the fall. And yet, God is clearly saying to him, that's not enough. Adam needs a relationship with another human being. He needs a lateral relationship, not just a vertical one. If we back this story up and look in Genesis 1, we hear God saying something really interesting. Let us make man in our image. Now, God, the God of I am who I am, the God of hero Israel, the Lord your God, is one God. The God of one is also the God of three. The God of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is the God of social relationship. He's the God of lateral relationship. So made in the image of God as we are, why would it be any different for us? We are individuals. No question about it. Magnificent, unique creations that reflect something of God, each one of us, that no one else ever will. We are indispensable. On the other hand, we are also creatures that absolutely require intimate relationships with other people to live out of the fullness of our identity. We cannot truly be human without those. I don't care how introverted or extroverted you are. I don't care if you're, you know, studying to be a, a computer programmer or a teacher, just to be totally stereotypical. This is true for all of us. You need deep, intimate, authentic community 
in your lives. You need more than you're going to get coming to chapel three times a week, going to church on Sundays. Those are great things. Those are wonderful things. But you need more than that. And we're not talking about fulfilling a quota. We're not talking about impressing God with our piety. We're talking about living out of our identity. I was a missionary kid, born and raised in Taiwan. I came back to the States in the middle of my high school years. The States, not home. And I spent those years mostly feeling like a misfit. My college years were a lot better. I look back with great fondness on those years for the most part. But here's the truth. I left my college years with some really lonely places inside. You know what? When you've got lonely places, they don't stay empty. Something always moves in. Nature hates a vacuum. It will not abide it. And so for me, I develop friendships with people named things like anxiety, addiction, shame, especially shame. They became really close companions. Now, I say this to you as someone who knew Christ from a young age, as someone who really tried to walk in fellowship with him. But I also say this as someone who did not yet understand that at the core of my identity, I had to have deep lateral relationships. I craved those in-the-eyes relationships. I got married. That was a great thing. But it wasn't enough. Only in my late 20s did I really begin to discover community. A group of guys whose company I committed to. And I embarked on a journey of being deeply known and knowing deeply. That has been a beautiful and an absolutely terrifying thing. It has not always been easy. For starters, they're not a perfect group. Sometimes they don't respond as I want them to. Sometimes they don't appreciate what I have to offer as much as they should. Sometimes they offer me more of what I need than what I want. Sometimes I still feel missed, like they're just not getting it. Even now, years on, there are still times when, frankly, I don't want to show up. I don't want to be known. I want to hide. You know those friends I mentioned, ones with names like anxiety and shame? Turns out they are very possessive, very territorial, and very persistent friends. They don't give up their place easily, and they hate competition. But it is amazing to me how often I have walked away from those gatherings with my group, feeling not just deeply known, but deeply loved. Maybe even more amazing, liked. Life in true small group community has helped me to be much more connected in every way 
to others, to myself, comfortable in my own flesh, my own skin, and to God. I've grown, and I continue to grow from those places of deep connection. You know, there's no growth without that. I no longer see small groups as a nice self-improvement strategy. Let me get your act together a little bit. You know, maybe you ought to do this for a little while. I, I see this small group community connection thing. This is lifestyle for me. This is lifestyle. Lifestyle that helps me and those around me experience fullness of life. John 10.10, Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Small group community has been a critical part of the way I have experienced and continue to experience abundant life. I've asked Ashley Josephson if she would come up and share with you guys a little bit. Ashley was a part of our small group, one of our small groups last year that we ran out of the Center for Student Success. So she's going to share with us a little bit from that experience. Ashley? Hello, everyone. Um, first of all, I want to apologize for reading. I'm not good at improvising, so I'm just going to read off my little paper. Um, my name is Ashley, as he said, and I'm a junior nursing major. Um, today, I just wanted to talk a little bit about my experience with small groups. Um, last year, I decided to join the small group for children of alcoholics and divorce. Uh, it was a tough decision at first because I was very embarrassed. Um, there seems to be a bad connotation for the word counseling, and I did not want to admit that it sounded like a good idea to me. I grew up in a home with an alcoholic parent, and until I joined the small group, I never thought that it had any effect on me. I thought that I was doing just fine, and counseling had never even crossed my mind. However, one day I was sitting in chapel, just like you guys today, and Professor Ernie started to talk about the small groups that the school was offering. Immediately, I felt a little tug that the group could be very beneficial for me, but I was still apprehensive. It's easy to get caught up in the idea that counseling is something to be embarrassed about. No one likes to admit that they have a problem. I fought and fought with myself, trying to decide whether to join the group or not. I kept convincing myself that I was doing just fine and that counseling was not necessary for me. For some reason, I felt that I would be looked down on or thought differently if anyone found out that I had been going to a counseling group. Finally, after talking it out with my mom, she convinced me that it could only benefit me, so I decided to sign up. The amount of support I got from the group just in talking about things that were bothering me was amazing. It was so comforting to know that there were other students who had been in the same situations that I had been in and that they know exactly how I felt trying to juggle the problems at home with my academic life. The students in my clinical counseling group were able to offer me advice and comfort that my close friends could not. Although my friends did listen to me when I needed to talk, they could not fully understand where I was coming from because they had not experienced the same things that I had. The students in my group knew exactly how I felt when I talked about problems I faced at family gatherings and going home to an alcoholic mother. I do not regret joining the group at all. In fact, I looked forward to going to small groups once a week. I now realize that there are many people who are going through the same things, and it's very comforting to know that I'm not alone. 
If you're sitting here today and God is tugging at your heart to join a small group, try it out. I guarantee you won't regret your decision. Thanks. Thank you, Ashley. Now, this is the part where I'm supposed to stand up here and say, every one of you guys ought to be joining a, a small group. And if you're not going to, you know, shame on you. Uh, I'm not going to say that. Here's the truth of the matter. The truth is a lot of you know deeply connected community in your lives right now. You have places where you know and are known. You have places right now, connections, friendships, where you're growing. If that's you, keep on keeping on. That's great. But there are some of you for whom that's not the case. Uh, you may have friendships. You may have acquaintances. You may have some level of connection. But the truth is you have rooms in your house that nobody gets into. Rooms in the house you're afraid to get into. It may be because you have had experiences in your life. It may be for reasons you don't even understand why those rooms exist. For you, if that fits you, I want you to at least consider the possibility of being a part of a small group this semester. Uh, if we can have the first slide, please. There are a couple of uh, different formats for small group this semester. Uh, there are some that are being run out of the Dean of the Chapel's office, and there are some that are being run out of the Clinical Counseling Services and the Center for Student Success. These are these are groups that we really value. We value them so much that being a part of them, you're going to get chapel credit for doing. So if there's a sense I do not have an extra hour in my week, it's not going to cost you an extra hour in your week. Uh, a lot of these groups will actually be running during a chapel time because we really value what we think is going to be happening in those. Um, and this is a chance to, to really heal, to really grow in intentional community. Um, our groups out of the clinical counseling services are confidential. Nobody will know, apart from those who are in that group with you, that you're a part of that. Um, and we're going to be running groups across a number of different topic areas. We're going to do a grief and loss group for those of you who are dealing with serious losses in your life, uh, who are still grieving things. You may have been hit by a very unexpected uh, loss recently, or this may be one that you had a long time ago, but frankly, you've really never moved beyond. Uh, we're going to be running a group for men and women that we're calling Freedom, and as the, as the names would suggest, they are all about helping people who are dealing with addictions in their lives, compulsions in their life, that may be addictions of a sexual nature, that may be chemical addictions, that may be gaming addictions. Uh, we can, we, can, we can pick a lot of things to be attached to in unhealthy ways. We're going to be also offering um, uh, a group for those who are struggling with disordered eating, body image issues, uh, those who are struggling with more than just a normal amount of stress and anxiety. Anxiety, like I had said, is one of your really close friends, and you're kind of tired of its sway in your life. Um, we're also going to be running a group for, as, as Ashley was talking about, for adult children of uh, alcoholism or any kind of substance abuse and, and or divorce. And then I'm going to be facilitating a couple of groups, one for individuals who have been through sexual abuse or sexual assault kind of experience, and also one for those who are dealing with issues surrounding sexual identity or sexual orientation. 
Um, if you're interested in these, all you have to do is go into the Dean of the Chapel site. There is, uh, you'll see off to the left-hand side of that page, there's a link. It's got group information. You can find out more about those groups. If you want to sign up, it'll take you right into a, a server, a secure site within the Center for Student Success, and you can sign up there. If you have questions, you can always call us. So those are the clinical counseling groups. We're also having some groups that we're running out of the Dean of the Chapel's office as well. Um, separate groups for men and women that deal with issues of sexual purity, sexual wholeness, and are really going to be focused on accountability and scripture memorization. Um, all of our groups are, are small group. These have a maximum group size of eight. And then um, we have someone here with us today, India Morton. India, would you stand up? India is the director of the Crisis Pregnancy Center here in town, and she is going to be leading a group for women only, that is based upon the book, What Are You Waiting For?, which has to do with sexual issues, issues of sexual purity, sexual wholeness, sexual healing uh, as well. So I hope that if there's been something that's been stirred for you this morning um, and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, you know, should I consider this, shouldn't I? I'll tell you this right now. Within an hour or two, most of you are going to say, no, nah, I'm not doing that. I mean, these are small groups, limited size. I, I don't want to take away anybody else's, you know, opportunity to be involved. You'll, there'll be a lot of reasons to not do this. Um, but the hardest part is just going, is just showing up that first time. So if this is you, um, I really encourage you to, to give this some serious consideration. Thank you. Guys, it's Friday. We survived week two. Give yourselves a hand. Huge deal. But not only is it the end of week two, but as Megan already said, it's the end of Summit Week. Right? We've heard so many incredible stories of people just, just seeing new things going on. Right? But... Just, just as a little review, there, there, was this, there was this really big question that we all got really, really accustomed to during these services, right? Little pop quiz. Everybody just yell it out. What, what was that question? A little, one, more, one more time. What are you thirsty for? See, now, now for me personally, I have, I have a really special way in how I relate to that question. Because, you know, my, my name's Jake Thurston. And over these past couple of years, I've coined this nickname, I don't know how, where my, my name is like Thirsty, you know, like everybody calls me Thirsty. And so whenever I would hear him ask this question, it wasn't just what are you thirsty for, it's like I was questioning my identity. Like, what are you Thirsty? What are you Thirsty for? Almost like, what are you you for? It was like, it was just, really, it was just crazy. And, and even the way and how I relate to the word Thirsty is entirely different. Like, every time I hear it, I just have some kind of attachment to it. Like this one time I was at Taco Bell, and, and I was just eating a burrito, and I just look up at the pop machine, and it said, never leave, Thirsty. <laughs> I was like, Taco Bell wants me to stay here. It's awesome. Um, I feel so loved. But I think we've all experienced that just that feeling where we are so thirsty and we would do anything to quench that thirst, right? Maybe you were, had a really busy week. Maybe you worked really hard on something. I don't know. And, um, and you were driving home and you're like, man, my body needs water. I know water is the very thing that I need. 
but you pass those double arches, and you're like, a McDonald's Coke sounds so good right now, right? Or even this morning, I woke up, and I'm like, I, I'm always really thirsty in the morning. I always have to drink water, but I, I didn't go for water. I went with coffee this morning. Dumb idea. You know, coffee actually makes you more dehydrated, and so I was like, well, that really didn't fix my problem. But when we're thirsty, there's this thing that happens where if, if we don't quench it, if we go too long without quenching it, even if we go just a couple of days without the one thing that can truly quench us, water, we start to get headaches, our body starts to deteriorate until the point where even people die of dehydration. You know, and, and I get this vibe that there are still a lot of us in here who are thirsting for something. In fact, if, if you know, if nothing else, everybody look up here for just this one second. Because if there's anything we all can relate to, it's that we're all thirsting for something. But the reality is that not all of us are taking the steps to quench it. You know, there, there are some of you here where you experienced something absolutely life-changing during summit. Maybe you found Jesus for the first time, and you've been set free from your sins, and you've just experienced this entire new life that you never even dreamed of. You know, in fact, if that's you, we're just gonna we're just gonna clap for God for that because that's just such a, that's a huge deal. But there are still some of us that are thirsting for something, who have a yearning for something deeper. Maybe there are some of you where you've moved in as a freshman, or maybe you're even leaving as a senior, and you have no idea what direction you're going, and you're thirsting for direction, and you want God to show up still. You went to Summit, and you still feel lost, you know? There, there might be some of you who are struggling with porn addictions. Maybe you, have, you find yourself attracted to the same sex, and you just have these, these sexual struggles that you want to break out of. But it's so much harder to do so. You want to overcome that struggle. Maybe you have issues with your self-image, and you just want to be able to respect your body again. Maybe you suffer from anxiety and worry or depression. Maybe even thoughts of suicide. Maybe even question this whole thing about Jesus is real. And you are thirsting for something. What are you thirsting for? What are you doing to quench it? Maybe for some of you, like, you need to join the small group thing. Maybe you need to find counseling. Counseling is a beautiful thing, as it was already mentioned. Maybe you need to set yourself free and to finally talk about those things that have just been bottling up inside of you for so long. To finally identify with other people who want to support you through it. Maybe for some of you, it's seeking out a friend, maybe an RA, maybe a chaplain, maybe a professor, and finally get those questions answered that have just been boggling in your mind that you cannot figure out. Maybe you need to just simply grow deeper in your relationship with God. You don't know what that looks like. Maybe that's joining, a, maybe that's going to unit devos. Maybe that's an all-dorm devo. There's an incredible campus ministry starting up here soon called Thrive Ministries. Maybe you've seen it. And it's a thing that happens on Wednesday nights where you come together and we discuss issues that we're all facing on this campus, but we address it by discussing scripture and through prayer. Or maybe it's just going to church, finding that people that you can connect with having those spiritual disciplines, what are you going to do to quench it? On the last night, for, on Wednesday night for Summit, 
Dr. Anthony Graham gave this incredible message about how God wants to do a new thing in every single one of our lives, that we have this living hope and that truly the best is yet to come. And guys, that is something I believe in so strongly. I don't hashtag it on my Instagram photos for nothing. (laughs) The best is yet to come for every single one of us. You all have an incredible story that is being written right now. But in order for you to experience that hope, you have to take the steps necessary to quench that thirst. Another thing that Um from DC talked about were these, were these altars that were placed. And during, during a church plant, what he actually did was the Africans would build these altars and then they would place their hands on them as a sign that they are committed to God, no matter how hard it gets. Because even after this moment, even after this week, you're going to get dehydrated again, guys. We're all going to get dehydrated again. We're all going to need that emotional high. But the reality is that the only thing that can truly quench our thirst is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? The only thing that can quench us is Jesus Christ. It comes down to building our lives on the rock. Being committed to that. Don't leave this place thirsty. Never leave thirsty. Don't leave thirsty. What do you have to do to be quenched? That could be something really, really hard. And I don't know what that is. But God has incredible plans for this campus. And sometimes the way how he makes these new things blossom is by taking away the old and making this new thing happen and to go deeper. Join a small group. Go to find a church. Find those people to talk to. Let's just take just a a couple of moments just to reflect on that.